Robert Sapp here. Welcome to the Trinity Word Ministry Podcast. Today's scripture is from John chapter 8, starting with verse 1. And Jesus went into the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that they should be such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thou those thine accuser? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Familiar scripture for anyone that has actually read the scriptures, read the Bible. We know that there are several things with this with these verses. This was the only the third thing that we know of that Christ or God wrote on. The first two was the Ten Commandments, the stones. The Ten Commandments was written on. God wrote those himself. Now that we know that here's a Jesus writing in the ground. No one knows what he wrote in the ground, but he was writing in the ground. Now you might say that the hand appeared at the, at the wall of Belshazzar and wrote on the wall, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Arpsharsin, which I found you wanting. I have weighed you in the balance and found you wanting. You might say that was God or that was an angel. We're not real sure. So these three instances are the three times that we're sure that God, Jesus, wrote on something. The Ten Commandments. Moses broke them when he came down from the mountain. He went back up on the mountain. God rewrote them. And now this. And again, we don't know what Christ wrote on the ground. Uh, there's speculation of what Christ wrote. Some say that he wrote names of people. Some say that he wrote the sins that was in the men's heart. Some say other things. We don't know. All we know is that Christ stooped down and wrote with his finger on the ground as though he heard them not. He had heard them and he wasn't ignoring them. But they only had half the law right. Early in the text, in verse 3, it says, We have found a woman taken in adultery. And Moses said, Though that should such should be stoned. Both, according to the law of Moses, man and woman should be stoned. Not just the woman, but the man also. So we see that they only got half of the law right. Why didn't they bring the man? 
again, speculation. Some say that it was he was an important individual. Some say he was one of the Pharisees. We don't know. We just know that the woman was brought. And she was indeed caught in the very act of, of adultery. They brought him, or brought her to Jesus and said, Okay, what are you going to do? And he wrote something. And they asked and they asked and they asked. And he lifted up, he, he stood up and he looked at them and he said, He that is without sin among you, let him cast, first cast a stone at her. It's so easy to get into this finger pointing. It's so easy to get into judgment. It's so easy to say, well, that individual done this, or that individual done that, or this individual. But aren't we guilty? As a whole, aren't we guilty? Are you perfect? Are you without sin? No. We've all, we were all born into sin, so none of us are sinless. And unless we have that sin and our sin nature under the blood of Christ, we have no way of getting to heaven. But it's deeper. We want to cast stones. We want to throw rocks because we want to deflect our shortcomings, our frailties, our faults. We want to detract from them. We want to distract the people and say, well, look at so-and-so. They're an alcoholic. We are trying to cast aspersions, and we are casting aspersions on others so that we're not looked at harsh. But look at yourself in the mirror. Just stand in front of the mirror and, and look deep. And the next time you're on your knees in prayer, or the next time you're praying, ask God to reveal to you what your faults are. Oh, now that's harsh. But we all have them. I'm, I'm here to tell you I have a bad anger problem. I can't fix it. There's no way I can fix it. So I pray about it and say, Lord, you know, help me, help me, help me. I, I don't t ask for him to take the anger away from me. I ask him to help me direct or teach me how to direct the anger the correct way. See, the scriptures tells us that I can be angry, but I sin not. Well, what can I be angry at? I can be angry at the sin but not the sinner. I hate the sin, but not the sinner. That's the mind of Christ. That's the life of Christ. That's the, the whole it in a nutshell. He looked at us, he saw us at our worst and weakest moments, and he still loved us. Now, he didn't love what we was doing, the drug addiction, the alcoholism, the, the cheating, the lying, the stealing. The murder, he didn't like that, but he loved us. He loved us enough to go to the cross of Calvary and die for us so that we would have the ultimate sacrifice that, that we could make it to heaven.
he again, Christ stoops down. He wrote on the ground some more. Again, we don't know what he wrote. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. When he said, uh, you without sin, well, they had to examine themselves. They had to look at themselves deeply, spiritually, and say, well, you know, I did tell that lie, or, well, I did cheat my neighbor, or, well, you know, I've had that impure thought, or whatever sin that they had, they, they came to grips with it. it. It slapped them in the face, if you will. So they couldn't throw the rock because they were sinful creatures too. There is no grade of sin. There is no rank of sin. Sin is sin. You are guilty because you're born into sin. And you have to take and, and give that nature. You have to surrender that nature. You have to give it to God and let Him put it under the blood so that you can then be justified and sanctified. And sanctification is a process. It's not a one-time, one-and-done. It's a process. But you're justified and sanctified by not what you do, but what Christ done for us on the cross of Calvary. Well, we put a lot of emphasis on the cross of Calvary, don't we? And well, we should. See, that was the pivotal moment. That was the turning point of history. That was, that was the greatest moment in the history of mankind. The second greatest moment in the history of mankind will be when he calls us home. Now I'm saying <clears throat> that's the greatest moment of mankind as, as a whole. The greatest moment in your life was when you accepted Christ and what he did for you on the cross. Greatest gift. To be able to say that you're no longer bound for a devil's hell. You see, Hell wasn't designed, nor was it ever intended, for human beings to go to hell. It was designed for Satan and his minions that left heaven with him. We weren't supposed to go. But because we are sinful, we are, the sin nature is in us, God established the sacrifices of goats and cows and sheep but it wasn't enough it was a temporary covering a momentary respite it had to be permanent it had to be forever it had to be the ultimate sacrifice so Christ died on the cross of Calvary as the ultimate sacrifice now, hear what I'm saying. It is forever. But as a Christian, you can still sin. You're not once saved and always saved. You're saved, and you can stay saved. Faith got you saved. Faith will keep you saved. But you do mess up. You do boo-boo. You, you do say things and think things and 
maybe even go places where you shouldn't go. Now, am I saying that God will condemn your soul to hell for that impure thought? No. But what I'm saying is that impure thought can turn into an impure dream, and that impure dream can turn into an impure life. So you have to take care of it when it's small. You have that impure thought, you get to, you know, go back to the cross. You get to go back to Christ, and you get to get that covering. No, Christ only died once, and once was enough. But we do go back to the cross for repentance. So what I'm saying, and, and this is a clear indication and a clear picture of what I am saying. He told, he looked at the woman, he looked around, there was no one there. He said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. Your adultery is no longer a part of your life. It's in the past. You've been saved. You've been forgiven. He had every right to condemn her. He has every right to condemn us. But at this moment, he told her, I don't condemn you. You are forgiven. But then he told her, he said, go and sin no more. We cannot live in a sinful lifestyle and call ourselves Christian. We cannot go and do the same things we used to go and do and call ourselves Christian. When we accepted Christ, we became a new creature. All things become new. We're new from head to toe, toe to head, and inside and out, and outside and in. We become new. Never to be remembered against us. Now there's an old gospel song that talks about, you know, he put my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Well, no, he did not put your sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He just removed them and he chooses not to remember them. I condemn thee not. Just as he told this woman. But he also is telling us, just as he told this woman, go and sin no more. Friend, where are you? Are you trying to straddle the fence? Are you trying to be a Christian on Sunday but live like a devil on Monday? You've got to make your decision, and it's got to be sure. You cannot serve two gods. Either you'll love one and you'll hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God in the world. You cannot serve God and Satan. You have to make your choice. Joshua made that choice, and he said, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Where are you? It does not matter what kind of life you've had. It does not matter what you have done in the past. Where are you? Satan's going to bring it back up. He's going to bring your past up. That's what Satan does best. But just remember, God is the ultimate authority. 
There's an old saying that says, God, Satan will bring up your past, but you're supposed to remind him of his future. Like a fire. But if you remind Satan of his future, that means that you're engaging in a conversation with him. You'll never win that conversation. Resist Satan and he will flee. How do you resist? Satan, get thee behind me. For it is not written that man should live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. See, those are how Christ answered Satan. He did not engage in a conversation with him. He quoted scriptures. He quoted God's word. That's how you resist the devil. And then he will flee. So no matter where you're at in your walk, when you fail, it does not mean you're a failure. It just means you're human. I've told my pastor many, many times that we can get people to the altar. That's, that's actually kind of easy. We just, you know, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead, direct, and guide. And through the words that the Holy Spirit tells us, people are convicted and they come forward and they go to the altar. See, we have nothing to do with it. We're just a vessel. But where our work comes in is afterwards. Lazarus come from the tomb and still bound in his death clothes. Jesus looked around and said, Loose him. Looked around to the people that was around him and Lazarus and said, Loose him. We have got to help people. Share the burden, pray for people, listen to people, talk to people, point out to people the path that they should not take. Share your story. Let the people learn from your mistakes, because we've all made them. And go and sin no more. Older people in Christ, the, the mature Christians, needs to be reaching out to the younger Christians, the children, if you will, and picking them up, showing them the way. Go and sin no more. Number 6, 24 and 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray for that peace. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come into your presence, Lord, to read, to study your word together, God. We ask that you'll touch each and every one that's heard, each and every one that will hear, Lord, that you'll bless them, Lord, that you'll use your Holy Spirit to draw them closer to you, Lord. Not because of me, not because of my words, not because of my voice, but because of your spirit, Lord. You said you would not let your word go forth void. So, Lord, I ask that you'll move and that you'll touch. Lord, those Christians that are struggling in the way, Lord, that you'll strengthen. Lord, those Christians that are, that are older in the Lord, and Lord, that you'll strengthen, that you'll encourage, and that you'll lift up. But, Lord, for those individuals that just, they think by coincidence, but it's because of your Spirit drawing them to this podcast that, Lord, that you will 
that you will reach out and draw them to you, Lord. And Lord, that they too will come to know you through your word. In Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Guys, until we meet again, take care of each other.